This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 ESPN. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And we do have a goal for this show, and that is to provide our listeners with some really, really good information to help you make really good decisions out there. And, you know, we have realtors on the show. We have some of our affiliates, like pest control inspectors, home inspectors. But we also have a very important part in the housing industry that um, grace us with their their attendance here once in a while, and that is our legislators, because they are an important part of the housing element, too. Um, rules, regulations, they they all, laws, they all fit into the, the, the picture. So, straight from Fresno, or Sacramento, today we have Assemblyman Jim Patterson here with us. Good morning. Good to see you. Always right. enjoy being here, uh, and... Uh, uh, home for uh, about a month. <clears throat> We're in recess. I usually like to start out by uh, saying, on behalf of the state of California, may I humbly apologize for the nonsense we put you through. <laughs> you can. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, you know, California is such a diverse state. You have places like San Diego that are just so different than Redding. Um, it, and that's got to be tough to. Yeah. Even uh, so, not just geographically, where you have fourteen thousand foot mountains, and and then just a few miles away, you've got Death Valley, which is below sea level. Yeah. I mean, talk about diversity. Yeah, but and the uh, I think I think some of the bigger concerns with respect to property values, home ownership, uh, property rights, those kinds of things, is um, we have. I'm afraid a legislature that is very inexperienced in any of that, number one. Uh, number two, I get very concerned when legislatures say, oh, we're going to do something for you, mm-hmm. because most of the time they're actually doing something to us. <laughs> and I think uh, housing and home ownership and much of what we have gone through in, uh, recently in this legislative session is doing more to people than for them when it comes to Home ownership, particularly single-family home ownership, the building of equity, the opportunity for people to get into their first home and then uh, enjoy that equity, um, and uh, then you know maybe buy a little different home, larger. The family grows, and they. And I just don't think that the state of California, as I have perceived it in the six years I've I've been up there at the legislature, understands uh, the huge engine of opportunity. And uh, uh, of owning your own home in a safe neighborhood with schools nearby that have a little uh, shopping centers or uh, nearby uh, <clears throat> that has a, a, a comfortable and nice backyard. You've got uh, the ingredients of um, equity building. And we've said this before, uh, <clears throat> Sharon and I are the absolute product. Uh, of early home ownership when we were young, and we were able to use the equity to buy into our first radio stations, uh, and it set our life on a course uh, that we still enjoy today. And I 
have to say to the, your listeners, I am very concerned about the bias that I think is evident with the manner in which we did legislation and regulatory decisions in this session with respect to uh, housing, home ownership, and affordability. I think we're making it worse, not better. You know, going to the home equity thing, I had some young buyers, first-time home buyers in my car, and I'm showing them around, and they said, Don, how does somebody buy a, 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 this home on the bluff, the million-dollar home? You know, how do you get, I mean, what's the down payment on that? And I said, you know, what's funny is most of them are pr- probably putting 60 70% down because that's not their first home. Yeah. It's a stepping stone. You buy that first home for you know a couple of hundred thousand you get some, you live in it a while you fix it up you make it really nice and then when you're ready you're financially more stable and maybe now you have $50,000 equity mm-hmm. so now you can move that to the next house along with another you know more down payment and you do that again and again and pretty soon you're on the bluff well <clears throat> that's been sharing in my story but it's also been the the story of our kids and i think our stories are very, very uh, similar. Uh, we all, uh, when we're young, uh, happened to Sharon and I, happened all three of my kids, get married, and we and we move into an apartment, move out of the house with mom and dad, right, and into the apartment. Man, we think we are free, and we're, look at this, and, the, you know, the apartments are, it's apartments, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it ser- served the purpose. But I remember what that first home was like. And when the realtor said, we've closed, it's yours, Here, here's the key. <clears throat> and and that was a home, but it was also really an, a, a, an opportunity. Uh, and here we are today. Uh, I, I think we have lived in five or six homes. Uh, for the last 38 years, we've lived in the home that we are, we're going, we, we, we'll, we'll, we'll pass away in. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, for 38, almost 40 years. Uh, raised all of our kids there uh, out in uh, northwest Fresno. Uh, we're about a tenth of a mile from uh, from the river. When we first moved there, and this was this is just uh, near Fruit and Herndon, and uh, you know people know that area. It's where the market is, right? It's where uh, you, you know the, the Chicos, right? Mm-hmm. And I know that place. The, yeah, we do. Yeah, and we, by the way, we've known the families that have had those small businesses there for. Th- 30, 40 years. We've known that the Chicos opened up about the time that we, we got the house there. And we were the, uh, there were about, I don't know, about 15 houses in this little section. Now, right, there's homes to the, to the river. Uh, the good news in all of that is, yes, we used equity to buy into a business, which treated us wonderfully over the years. But living in a home for uh, 38 years, um, that home uh, will have no mortgage on it. It, it. That is one of our biggest bank accounts. And when, and it, the nice thing about that is, Sharon and I can, can be there and enjoy it, and yet uh, there will be something for our kids and our grandkids because that uh, property has uh, improved and it has, and, it, and, and the equity is there. And people uh, use their equity that they build for a lot of various reasons. How many times have you heard the story about a family that got into their first home, maybe their second home, and they were wanting to get their kids into college, 
and they actually use some of their equity for that. Um, so th- what home ownership does is give people opportunity and it gives people choices. It is one of the most significant, long-lasting, and reliable approaches to making lifelong decisions that have a huge uh, effect on your ability to dream, to have those dreams come true, to have a place where you raise kids. And so you have this asset that is also your home. And I remember when Sharon uh, and I bought that, that and we, we kind of thought this was going to be the place for a good long time. And Sharon went in, in when, it, when it closed, she went into every uh, room. And you know Sharon, we, yeah. Didi and I, we're all friends. She said a little prayer in every single room. You know, Lord, just bless everybody that lives here, our kids, our grandkids. Uh, uh, and that's Sharon, right? I mean, that's Sharon. But I know that sounds... By so, the way, she is the best part of you. <laughs> I, I, amen to that. <laughs> and all I'm saying is, um, I... I get very, very concerned about what California has done to, to that kind of dream. Sharon and I were able to do this two years after we were married. Our three kids, on the other hand, it took them a decade to save because of the cost, because of some of the uh, issues with respect to the regulation. This, that, it's a very different opportunity marketplace in California, as 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 we now know. And I just think an awful lot of our kids and our grandkids are, they're able to get a house, but it's taken a long time and they're losing out on, the, on say, eight or ten years of equity that Sharon and I were able, able to, the sooner you get in, the sooner you start building the equity, the more the equity builds. And it's compounded over time as well. So anyway, I just think home ownership is one of those very special things. And I think California is doing more harm to it than good. Yeah, and we have to do more good. I had a really neat experience yesterday that made me think about what home ownership really means. I was interviewed by somebody, and they said, what was your most memorable sale? So I thought about it, and I said, you know, the most memorable sale is when I handed keys to somebody who bought a home for $62,000. Now, this probably was around the year 2000, so yeah, you know, it's probably worth 175000 now, but... That's not the point. I handed them the keys, and they were so choked up, so emotional. And the husband looked at me and said, what you have to understand is we, our whole family was living in a car just five years ago. So to be able to accomplish this means so much mm-hmm. to us. That pride that they made it. It, and it was that was not an easy escrow either. I bet. <laughs> um, there was so many issues that came up, but they stuck with it. And they really accomplished something, so that that's something. I mean, to to go from home from homelessness, living in a car, to home ownership, and a thirty-year fixed-rate mortgage. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was fantastic. Then they asked me, "What was your most memorable listing?" And I thought about it, and this has a lot to do with home ownership. I think it was the listing that I'd never took. Somebody, a client who had bought a home from me five or six years earlier, called up and said, "We need to short sale. We're in a lot of trouble. Can you know? Can you do that for us?" So I came, went out to the house, and they were showing me the, all the things they'd done to the house. And I noticed, man, there was a lot of pride and love. This was yeah. their forever home. Yeah. 
and they were eight payments down. They said, you know, they took the advice of somebody at the bank to because they were trying to refinance on the HARP program, yeah. and all of a sudden they're eight payments down. But I noticed that bounce in their step when they were showing me all the things they did. There was a pride in that mm-hmm. home and a love in that home. I said, you can't short sell. you got to stay here. We worked out a plan and never took that listing, but their appreciation and their gratefulness is far greater yeah. than any money I ever could have made yeah. on that thing. Well, that that's, that really is the story of realtors. And, you know, um, we've talked about this before. Uh, I want you to think about uh, realtors and the entire premise of buying your home is with a professional who has fiduciary responsibility and willing buyers, willing sellers. That's uh, the essence of property ownership and the buying and selling of that property. Willing buyer, willing seller uh, with a professional. And uh, Look, uh, that has blessed us over and over and over again. <clears throat> and I think that... Um, Unfortunately, uh, I don't think uh, Sacramento un- understands or appreciates that uh, to the degree that I think they should, and I think they're making it more and more difficult. Uh, and I appreciate what the realtors do when they come up to Sacramento in full force and say, "If you do this, this is this is a bad thing that's going to happen to the very people you say you represent." Mm-hmm. You got to think that over. And you know what? An awful lot of the times, because of the strength and the persuasiveness and the persistence of realtors when they come to Sacramento, a lot of times they get bad bills defeated and they get good bills passed. So I commend you for not only doing business for yourselves, but helping the rest of California to benefit from home ownership and from property rights. Well, thank you for that. And we are going to go to a commercial break. But when we get back, we have a couple of bills that are out there right now. I'd like to get your take on them. Uh, so stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESPN. Won't take nothing but a memory from the house that built me. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And here in the studio today, we have Assemblyman uh, Jim Patterson from the 23rd District. I, basically, it's uh, uh, about uh, two-thirds of Fresno, uh, all of Clovis, uh, all the, up in the mountains. I, I love the I, – I represent the San Joaquin River, uh, the Kings River, uh, the two uh, parks, uh, not Yosemite, but, but Kings and, and uh, Sequoia. Um, a, a wonderful little strip of Tulare County where three rivers and some places like that and a lot of orange groves and all. It's a it's a wonderful uh, part of our community, and I, I love representing folks there. And I'm very grateful that, uh, uh, that they send me back. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes when you work with somebody long enough, they start thinking like you do. So i got to mention our board operator, Bobby. He just played a great, great song. The house that built me. And <laughs> I've always taken that as the home that you live in, and it builds your personal character. But we have another house right now that is trying to build us, and that's our assembly yeah. and, and our state senate. They're, they're making laws 
that are trying to regulate the the not just the industry yeah. because you know when we think of it as an industry I think that's my job but we're we're talking about people's homes yeah. the base the basics in life and those are really getting regulated and um I think there's a shift going on and tell me if um if I'm right mm-hmm. or wrong here but a lot of the new legislators are thinking that hey this is how we're going to make it work we're going to you know and, and, and maybe not listening so much to well, I'll give you the, a couple examples um you're you're talking about um, a couple of these bills and, and and all of that um there is unfortunately a bias uh in Sacramento that essentially a bias that says the way people in California ought to live is stacked and packed on top of each other in high density, uh, get, not, get out of their cars and live near uh, public transit. And so the bills that you're seeing, the uh, penalties often go toward uh, the, uh, the single-family homeowner, and the benefits and the tax breaks and the, and the rewards end up going toward what I call the stack and pack and the high density. And look, everybody needs housing that's different. So there is a place for high density. My kids lived in high density rental apartments near uh, uh, transportation when they were young, going to school, uh, uh, early married. But the minute that kids came along and the dream of property ownership and the ability to do so, what happened? All three of them did what all of our kids and grandkids want to do and ho- and hope to do. But unfortunately, we are now seeing penalties that I think are burdensome for uh, uh, single-family home ownership in California. And I think we're get, we're seeing the tax breaks and the special uh, government treatment almost uh, almost a dictatorial bias toward saying that what we really want. It is less single-family. Uh, that's sprawl, and sprawl's bad, and right, and more high-density uh, stack and pack. And there are a lot of examples of that in legislation uh, that we've seen, um, and there's there really is a lot of um, tinkering with uh, home ownership and property ownership, where individuals, many retired. School teachers, retired police officers, retired, uh, you know, salt of the earth folks <clears throat> who have bought, you know, eight, nine, ten, twelve uh, units of one kind or another, and they're wanting to, that, that, those are rental properties and all. We're not only making uh, that more and more difficult, we're literally, in many ways, and there's a bill that I think gets very close to making it next to impossible for, uh, private homeowners who are good landlords to have good tenants, to have good relationships, and to have good th- these, these products and, and, and properties that benefit everybody. And the state of California is now putting their thumb on the scale of essentially protecting bad faith, bad actor tenants. And that is going to be a serious, I, I think, impediment to the very thing that they say they want. Uh, more affordable, available rental housing. And they're doing the kinds of things that entirely push back on that dream. 
What are those bills you're talking about? Well, they're the they're the they're the ones you have in front of you. Okay, I, yeah. The, the bill numbers and all. I, I tell me what a bill does, and I, I know what it does. Tell me its number, and I'll say, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm, so, I'm like that too. So it's so first of all, I mean, the state of California wants, in the worst way, to put in rent control on everything. The state of California, I think, in the worst way, wants to say to uh, a, a a homeowner. Uh, uh, you want to you want to rent you want to do Airbnb you want to do something with it you want to exercise the privilege and the freedom of home ownership and using property either rental property or 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 owned property as you see fit for the purposes that you think benefit you and and others in this willing buyer willing seller r- relationship and the state of California is really moving toward rent control and really moving toward uh, making it impossible for people who have uh, property and they're renting it and they have a community of renters and you get one bad actor in it and you, it's going to be next to impossible to evict that bad actor. What do you think that does to the, you know, six, eight, ten others in this small little complex? They're going to be looking for another place. Mm-hmm. So this is doing precisely the opposite of what uh, these regulators and these politicians think they're, think they're doing. Personally, that's what I see so often yeah. is the that the unintended consequence is the worst enemy. So, yeah, you know, the, the bill might have had a good heart. Hey, let's create affordable housing. Let's make it more affordable for people. But the unintended consequence is it could... It will run down a neighborhood. Yeah. It, it's go, it, the one bad actor uh, that's a, the bad tenant, and yes, there are bad landlords too. But it, it's going to have that ripple effect through the their community, um, and pe- people could leave because of that. I I had a situation several years ago, and, and by the way, I. I I won't give you the bill number. I'll just tell you it's the Just Cause Eviction. Yeah. Um, and that's a bad term, eviction, because eviction means you're being booted out for um, uh, breach of contract. That's an eviction. Different than a termination. Um, this does away with terminations. It, it's almost like the, the property, or, or excuse me, the tenant has more property rights than the, the property owner. Yeah. Because you can't get rid of, you can't terminate a, a, an agreement. And as far as I know, every contract has to have a termination date on I, there. I think they're getting. I think they're really getting close to some unconstitutional um, activities. Uh, that that really look. The United States Constitution, and in many respects, the California State Constitution, uh, protects and understands n- not merely property rights, but the associated rights that come with them. Uh, uh, you can't take it without just compensation. Uh, if you have certain uh, water rights that come with property, that becomes a water right attached to the property and ought to be, in most instances, pr- protected. Uh, these kinds of associated rights to property are increasingly being undermined by the ideology out of Sacramento that we know best, we're going to interject our our. Uh, so-called, uh, I guess, n- know-it-all uh, approach, and they basically are going, and, and what bothers me is that the effect of this is essentially 
slowly but surely, brick by brick, they are deconstructing the very things that made California the place everybody wanted to go to, live, and retire in. Guess what? In the last 10 years, over a million Californians have left California because the state is now turning into a state that has a, I, I argue, a politician-created cost of living that many in California can no longer afford. And, and so here we are. Uh, we've got these islands of wealth, San Francisco, Hollywood, the coast, parts of San Diego and, and L.A., and yet we've got an entire state of California where millions of Californians are stuck in rental because the cost of living is too high, are having to decide whether they can have a little fun or take a vacation or enjoy it because they're, they're, they're putting in $4 gas in their car. They literally are having to decide uh, what, what we, our electricity bill is really expensive. How come, it, how come it keeps getting more and more expensive? This has been the meddling in everyday life of politicians, in my judgment, in the last 10 years that have no idea what they're doing. And the effect of this is forcing millions of Californians to have to leave. And we've got great geography. It's a wonderful, it's a beautiful state. And yet we see more out-migration than we see in-migration in the state of California. And that out-migration is being forced out for affordability reasons. And part of that affordability reason is to go to another state that doesn't get in the way of property rights, home ownership, and that up, upward mobility that that creates. California's on, a, on, a, on the wrong path, and I hope your listeners will pay attention to it and join with others in instructing your politicians in Sacramento. Slow down. Hold up. You don't know it all. Pay attention to the ones that have to make the economy work, and everybody's going to be better. But I don't see that happening. And a great example of that is I know a property manager in Santa Monica where they do have rent control right now. And she was showing me this two-bedroom, one-bath apartment that rents for $4,200 a month. I said, wow, why so much? She said, because the people down the hall only pay 900 a month. Because they've been there for so many years, they're rent controlled, so the new people have to subsidize those people. And speaking of subsidy, that's what rent control is. It's where a private citizen subsidizes another private citizen for their uh, housing cost. And that just doesn't seem right. We're not paying attention, though, to uh, the history of self-correcting marketplaces. Look, the genius of what... America has been founded on is that everybody does have an opportunity to rise. You're going to have to be prepared. You're going to have to be educated. You're going to have to do the kinds of things necessary. Nothing. It doesn't just come to you because the government's going to hand it to you. And and when you see bad actors in real estate, who corrects them? Realtors do. Mm-hmm. When you see bad loan officers in mortgage companies cutting the edges, who makes the correction? The regulators that are stacked with paperwork and probably can't get to the issue anyway? Or is it free people in a free society, in a free marketplace, where uh, capitalism becomes self-correcting? Why? Because if you don't self-correct, people are going to stop buying or using or renting your stuff. 
And that's where, that's the genius of uh, fairness, equity, and self-correction. It, it, if you, if you, if you, if you rely on some bureaucrat in a cubbyhole somewhere to get you justice, forget about it. And when we get back from our commercial break, I got a great story about self-correcting that happened inside of mm-hmm. our real estate industry. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESPN. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio with us today, we have uh, Assemblyman Jim Patterson, who represents our area here, and sounds like you, you've got quite a job to do there in <laughs> Sacramento. Um, and, and towards the end of the show, I want to talk about some of the good things that our our legislature is doing for us, because I kind of feel like I'm being a, a Debbie Downer <laughs> right now. But But I do, you, in the last segment, talked about let the market self-correct. And we do have a history of that. Um, gosh, look what we did after the Depression. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, there was boom times. Um, okay, here's one of my favorite stories. It's a real estate story about letting the market self-correct. So in 2010, Congress decides to impose a thing called, uh, well, uh, financial reform. So they've created a new appraisal management center industry. No longer could a loan officer order an appraisal through somebody they knew. They now had to go to this third party who would then pick an appraiser. Now, I think the big banks were licking their chops saying, whoa, this is a new industry for us. They became, the big banks became the biggest appraisal management centers in the country. Um, our appraisals here in Fresno, California, were being ordered out of Dallas, Texas, out of Pennsylvania. Mm. So, you know, they'd look at the map and say, oh, Modesto, that must be close. <laughs> <laughs> so they would get an appraiser from Modesto to come to Fresno to mm-hmm. do a, an appraisal. And so, and here's what happened for the consumer. Prices of an appraisal went from $350 to $550. I don't think I think that was an unintended consequence. The quality went down because now you have somebody from Modesto, you know, with no geographical competency doing that yep. appraisal. Yep. So the the market is a miss. We're, we're struggling to figure out how to do it. In fact, personally, I went and took my lock boxes off so they couldn't get in without me. The key was in my pocket, <laughs> and if they called from Modesto and they weren't in our local MLS. I'd tell them, sorry, can't do it. You know, we have to get someone else. But here's my favorite story in the industry. The Michigan Association of Realtors, to combat this problem, uh, came up with an idea. They formed their own AMC, and they made some rules. You have to live and work within 50 miles of that appraisal you're going to do. You have to be a member of that local MLS, and you can't do more than two a day because you just can't do a quality service that way. So they really regulated it. The board of directors were 12 uh, realtors, so they made it work on the streets. Now, here's that self-correcting market. So what happened? All of a sudden, 
the big banks who are getting all this business now and making a ton of money off these appraisals, um, they started getting less business because the realtors on the streets with their clients said, um, we probably better go to this lender because they use, we'll get a local appraiser. Yeah. If you go to that lender, you might get an appraiser from Kalamazoo, Michigan. So Great example. Yeah. It's self-corrected because those big banks yeah. lost a lot in, in retail business. Their market share dropped, and it gave it back to the the common person. Yeah. Uh, I want to give folks a little bit of advice, and I, I want to do it because I learned the hard way over a lifetime. So I'm, you know, I'm, uh, you know, we got a little gray hair, got a little extra miles on the on the chassis. Uh, I won't tell you uh, how far past I am my 70th birthday. So it's, well, that's just between us, right? Some experience. Pay attention to the professionals who provide service advice. What do I mean by that? It's important that you have a good accountant. It's important that you find a really good insurance person. It's important that you find a really good realtor. It's important that you find a really good lender for all of these purposes in life. And then talk to them. Get to know them. Understand they're the professionals. They've seen it all. Take their advice when your, CP, when your accountant says, well, maybe that's an, a somewhat of an irresponsible decision here, and maybe you're getting wrong advice from this particular place. Pay attention. Uh, it, it, and the, unfortunately, the state of California is attacking service providers today. They are making it very, very difficult for, for insurance and realtors and, and, and uh, uh, accountants to be independent contractors. They're, they're, they're going after them as we speak. And they want to tax them. Right now, you provide uh, a service. A sales tax is on a thing that you buy. They want to impose a sales tax on the advice and the service that service providers give. That's what the state of California is up to right now. And thank goodness that the associations of our insurance agents. Thank goodness that the realtors are up in Sacramento. Thank goodness that uh, the accountants are up in Sacramento. Letting the legislature know you're becoming foolish on these things and you're going to do the very thing that you said was taking place in Michigan. Give it to the politicians, the regulators, and the bureaucrats. You get declining competency. You get declining service and you get skyrocketing costs. That's the choice that I think, unfortunately, too many of our, our uh, politicians in Sacramento are making the choice for the big government, the big bureaucracy, not realizing that what they end up doing is penalizing the very people they say they care about to services that decline while costs spike. And that's what we're seeing in California. And too much regulation and too much tax dampens the spirit of entrepreneurship. And I'll give you an example. I was talking to one of my cousins who lives down in Riverside County, and he's just fed up with his boss. And, and I said, 
And for as much as you know, why don't you go out on your own? Yeah. Form your own company. Be self-employed. You'll love it. Then when you complain about the boss, it's because you're <laughs> looking in the mirror. <laughs> and he, he, he actually said this. He goes, I thought about it. I've thought about doing it, and I see the benefit to it, and I know I could do good. He said, one of the things I don't like is I understand they're going to start taxing yeah. self-employed people. I've been there six years, and they try to do it. Every, so far, we have been able to fight back, and that is a significant tax increase. By the way, who pays that tax increase? It's going to be the customer. Right. The, the, you, you, if you ratchet up the cost, uh, prices have to go up to meet them. Uh, people have to hire lawyers to understand them. Uh, and I just say this, the history, if you pay attention to economic history, it is the, the, it, the self-correctedness is, is that it, it, and I call it, it it's basically the self-enlightened uh, capitalism. You, if you have to compete. The bigger the competition pie, the more choices that free people in a free society and a free economy have, the more likely that the bad actors will be forced out of business and the good actors will be rewarded. You put this under state control and you put this under bureaucratic control and the bad actors get away with it and the good actors are the ones that pay the price. Think about that. Yeah, and great example of that. The more you regulate... An industry, and let's talk about the rental housing industry. The more it's regulated, the more that plays into the hands of the big corporate landlords. Yep. Because the little guy can't afford a, a team of attorneys to deal with all the regulations. Yep. So with that thought, all we right. are going to go to another commercial break. We get a lot of them, don't we? <laughs> that's, that's a good thing in radio. <laughs> okay. But we'll be right back, and then we're going to dive more into some of these bills. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, and here in the studio with us, we have Assemblyman Jim Patterson. And for our final segment, let's get into some of the, uh, I want to kind of focus back on the rent control. And I know they changed the name now. It's a rent cap. I I don't know why the change in the name. (laughs) It's it's still a control or a regulation. Um, What what do you think uh, of some of these bills? (laughs) Well... We're in we're in recess right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back in uh, August, um, and we have a final month in session. There are two bills that are going to be um, combined into one bill that I think uh, essentially uh, puts uh, a, a real rent rent control, particularly onerous, on the small mom and pop uh, uh, owners of uh, affordable rental property. Uh, and after all, they're the providers of, of, of affordable rent, rental property, not the state of California, not not the government. And then the other aspect is to literally tie the hands of uh, landlords from saying to a bad one bad. Let's say you have six units or, you know, and one one bad actor is yelling at people. He's, he's, he's beating up the property. Right. Maybe he's paying the rent, but he is in many respects maybe scaring other tenants and and they're saying you know don i if something doesn't happen here i he's 
threaten me. I, I, that's the reality of the one bad apple. And I think these bills go way, way too far in essentially saying to that one bad apple, we're going to protect you. And guess who? The consequence. All the other good actors in that rent, rent, those rentable spaces who have a little community going on there. And to me, that is shifting the responsibility and the uh, 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 the, the actual um, benefits and rights of property owners out of out of the hands of the property owner, investing it in a renter, and that has an effect on all the other renters, and it's usually not a very good effect. So I'm interested in talk to me about you're me. You got to go up to Sacramento. You're looking at a bill like this. What do you take away from it? What do I need to understand from your real world experience? Because as I understand it, you you one of the things you've done in life is to you have a lot of uh, affordable rentals and uh, look, we've known each other a long time. You are known as a a really special, precious landlord. We know that. Well, thank you. you I, I'm, I'm not just patting you on the back. And you, you and must you, have talked to some of the uh, people uh, that rent from me because I think they think that. Uh, of me. Uh, so, help me understand from the on the street level where the rubber really meets the road. What keeps you awake at night when you see a bill like that? Okay, that. Uh, thank you for that question. Rent increase is almost not even in my my vocabulary. Or let's say it's number 57 on my thought process. It's way down there. Um, I have some tenants that have been in there many, many years. One of them, I haven't raised their rent since 2002. My choice, my personal choice, they're good people. They're respectful. We have a a good business relationship going um, and it's their choice to stay there, my choice to, to keep them there, and it's affordable. However, because of these two bills that are out there, for the first time at night, I think, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to start raising rents. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm uh, pro- providing uh, affordable housing for people um, because they are below market. In fact, that's how I keep them so long. I have a handful of tenants that have been with me well more than 10 years, mm-hmm. and some of them 20. Um, but that this is a game changer. Since I, a friend of mine gave me this retirement plan of buying investment real estate 40 years ago, yeah. and I started doing this, this is the biggest game changer there is because it could affect my retirement income. Um, and I won't have the ability to work the market so what if my and and to make choices yeah yeah about who i want to be there because not just because they pay a rent but because they're living a life inside a place that you own that you have pride of ownership in they rent they have a pride of their rental and they this this is what uh free people in a free society do when the when the government gets in the middle of that it throws out the personal relationship and it throws out the ability frankly, to communicate, and it gives an, an extreme amount of power to one bad apple. Uh, and instead of recognizing that there's a community of renters there, and if you can't get the bad actor out, it affects everybody else, and you can't replace that bad actor with another good actor. And isn't that what we really want? I bought a fourplex one time, and there was a bad actor in there who scared and intimidated the others. Yeah. And there was a big turnover from the others, but 
he he kind of stayed there a lot. Uh, and then when I bought it, I had that figured out, and I talked to all everybody. Mm-hmm. They were afraid of this guy and his pit bull. <laughs> Come on, what are you doing with a pit bull inside of a 700-square-foot uh, uh, unit that's a fourplex? It, it's just not the right environment. And, yeah. uh, by the way, the chain that he had around this pit bull, gosh, I hope that chain worked. <laughs> it was scary. But, anyway... I got a feel for the other three units that weren't that didn't feel safe there. Now I was able to work and and we ended up coming to a mutual agreement to terminate this guy. Uh, he moved on and moved out, and and that was good. But this bill would give more property rights to the one bad actor and the other three. Are, yeah, they're going to be stuck yeah. with them. I appreciate that. I uh, and I thank thanks for the for for giving me the real world experience uh and it helps. Um I want to do say I, we are doing one thing in housing that I think is a good thing. And I want to talk about the you know, can I do that? Go for it. All right. Um and I'll preface it. I don't I don't want to run out of time here. <laughs> when we hit the hard break as we're gone, um We've lived in our area for 38 years. For a long period of time, there was this wonderful lot that nobody ever bought. And it sat there and sat there and sat there. The owner, I think, wanted a little too much money. The marketplace wouldn't, wouldn't go to that. And sooner or later, somebody bought it, and, and now there's a beautiful uh, new home there that includes a, a really significant, nice uh, you know, mother-in-law set up, right? This, the state of California is now making it easier for Sharon and I, if we wanted to build a nice little unit in our backyard for mom, California has made that a priority. And I think that's a good decision. This is one of those times when the state is is essentially deregulating. They're essentially saying, you have the property, you have a need, there's no reason why you should be uh, prohibited from doing that, and you, you add it on. Uh, by the way, the, there's the graying of our population, the baby boomers are... Uh, you know, aging, and w- there is a real need for those kinds of uh, nice little uh, units, uh, and I think that's I think that's going to be helpful for living and for families and, and for uh, nice little rentals from people. And those are called the accessory dwelling yes. units, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I've been intrigued by that. In fact, I I listened to a seminar earlier this week on financing of those things, mm-hmm. so I, I see that as coming around. And uh, first of all, I want to thank you, Jim, for coming down here, but also all the hard work you're putting into it up there in Sacramento. That. that can't be an easy job. It's not. Um, thank you for having the attitude that you want to listen to the practitioner yeah. to find out what's really going to happen. We appreciate right. that. Appreciate being with you, and thank you for it. All right, and thank you to all our listeners for tuning in to Welcome Home Radio. Thank you. <laughs>